Hello, this is Jada and Emlyn with another episode of Stories Behind the Scrubs. On this podcast, we interview medical professionals in order to get a better idea of what it is they do and why they do it. We also listen as they tell us their story, recounting how they chose to go into medicine. On today's episode of Stories Behind the Scrubs, we're going to be talking to pediatric cardiologist, Dr. Ng Bui. Dr. Bui describes her experiences through college, medical school, and even a PhD program while discussing the importance of pursuing one's passions. Hi, I'm Jada, and this is Emlyn. Hello. Let's just go ahead and start uh, with high school. So um, can you just tell us a little bit about where you grew up and where you went to high school and what that experience was like for you? Yes, so I grew up in San Dimas, which is a small Midwestern town in Southern California. It's about an hour outside of LA. Um, There's about 240 kids in my class. Uh, So it was really small high school, I felt. And uh, I kind of felt that I sort of wanted more, you know, after college in some ways. Um, But it was a very safe environment. And um, I think I, looking back, probably the most enjoyable aspect of my high school was just um, being involved on a sports team. So I played tennis and I played basketball. And I uh, think that that's really valuable, you know, for, um, you know, people going through high school, just, I found it such a, such a great experience. Um, and I guess time, just a lot of different kind of friends that were different than the friends that I had in my, in my, you know, in my classes, um, it was a little bit more wide range. Um, but you know, but it, it was great. I, I feel like it was, it was a nice small school. There was a lot of team spirit, um, but it wasn't as academically challenging, I would say you know, some of the other students that I met when I went to college, um, who I felt like really disadvantaged in some ways, because um, I think that their preparatory um, work was, was much better than my, than mine. So while you were in high school, uh, as you were going through, what were some of your plans for what you wanted to do once you graduated? I wanted to go to a good college. Um, I wanted to probably stay in, I really liked science, so medicine and science. And um, I just, I think I understood growing up as an immigrant family that education was really the way to just make your situation better. Um, We didn't really grow up with a lot of money, but we had enough, but it was definitely challenging because there's five kids in my family, but um, somehow we managed. So um, you had plans to kind of go into medicine. Uh, When you were applying for colleges, was that kind of finalized or were you still deciding throughout college? I think um, I'd probably say that I still thought about it because in my college, I think I was exposed to lots of other different things. I, I didn't know about the pathway, you know, to, um, I guess, like to do research or that idea of like of of um, being like a research scientist or that kind of career. I didn't really know about that career. You know, I, I knew about medicine because my mom was a nurse and she, um, you know, uh, did favor that and did give us a lot of exposure. And I did volunteer, you know, in a hospital. So I, I knew about that, but I actually didn't really uh, know about the other world of what was really available um, in terms of like science as well. Um, so I was trying to keep open about that because I learned about that because when I was in school, I got a lot of, you know, when I went to college, I had a lot of experience doing research in um, summer programs 
and that kind of opened my eyes to to things. I really enjoyed that actually, um, and thought a lot about medical school too. You had said that when you got to college, uh, you were surrounded by some people who you thought had more preparation. Um, what would you say were some of the biggest differences between uh, your high school and college? I think my, my college was very academically rigorous. And I would say I was really impressed with the level of um, intellectual proudness of a lot of my students um, that, I, that I went to school with. Um, I think there was a good enough diversity, more so than when I went to, where I went to high school was mostly all white. Um, I was probably like a few of the Asian kids. Um, but I went to a college, private college. I went to Pomona College. It was a private college. There's a lot of kids that went to elite private schools, some of them were boarding schools. And um, I could tell that they, I could tell that they're really smart, you know. And um, I obviously knew that I was smart, but I definitely realized I had to work hard. And there was a lot of really smart people around me. What were some of the skills that you used in college that you carried from high school and then some skills that you had to learn throughout your college experience? I think being efficient. So when I was in high school, I learned to be very efficient, you know, with doing my work so I could do other things that I wanted to do. Um, and, and I would say in being efficient, um, learning not to uh, procrastinate, I think that's a big downfall of a lot of students in college. Um, I per se didn't really work well that way. So I prefer to get my, my work done on time and sort of learn to uh, budget my time and schedule accordingly. Um, so I think that was really helpful and really useful for later on. I agree. You had said that your school is uh, or was pretty academically rigorous. Um, how was your school life balance? It was very balanced. <laughs> uh, I think I think my major was probably one of the most difficult majors there. And so I just, I, I felt like it wasn't as balanced. I think it was very difficult because, you know, I, um, I did try out for sports, but then I tore my ACL. And that wasn't the first time that I tore my ACL because I tore my ACL my senior year in, in high school. Um, so that was kind of difficult. It would have been in like another year, like another year off and to train again. And I didn't really feel at that time that I, um, that that was worth it for me. So I didn't, so I really missed that aspect of um, being part of a sports team um, and just, so I think when you are, you know, you do have to learn how to balance your time with that. So I feel like I did have to study a lot just because my major was quite tough and had a lot of, um, you know, requirements and were actually quite difficult. So I think anyone that was sort of going in pre-med just tried to do really well. And I think the sciences were pretty tough. Um, so I don't feel like it was as balanced. Like I feel like I tried to be as very well-rounded in high school. Um, I mean, I think I was, I did lots of volunteer things, you know, in, in that sense um, in, in college and I did work as well. I worked as a tutor, a private tutor. Um, I didn't work in high school just because I would play a lot of sports and just did my homework. But um, I mean, I would say balanced, but I felt like I was studying a lot. You know, I studied harder in college than I did in medical school. What was your major and did you have any jobs while you were in college? So I, I was a molecular biology major. Um, so in my school, 
there's 32 requirements. I went to a liberal arts college. So for mine, you're required to take have half, like 16, you know, um, liberal arts, and then the other half can be related to your major or whatever else you want to take. But my major actually required 16. So I didn't really have a lot of room for like taking lots of other things aside from like a lot of the required things that were, you know, that you needed for, um, um, for the liberal arts degree. But I would say as an education, it was pretty well-rounded in that sense, um, you know, because I had a heavy science load, but I also really enjoyed learning about Shakespeare and like economics and lots of it and philosophy. And I would say that uh, when I met other students, when I went to graduate school who were like all heavy science or I could see the difference. So I really appreciated going to a liberal arts college where it was well-balanced from an educational standpoint. Um, and as I mentioned, I was a private tutor. So I, I tutored like high school students, um, you know, around the, my college campus. It sounds like um, your college was, it had a really well-balanced, um, it was really well-balanced academically. Um, I was kind of wondering, uh, what was your experience with the MCAT and um, how did you prepare for that test? So I wasn't a very good test taker, I would say, compared to my other friends. Um, there was a Kaplan MCAT course that I took um, when I took that. Um, and uh, I think, I think learning, I mean, I did really well in my science classes. So uh, I think physics was much harder. So I think it was more of learning how to take the test. Although I like, I think I knew a lot of my, um, my science. Um, but I, I think it comes down to also just like being a really good test taker. So I would say I wasn't the best test taker in like the verbal aspect of things, but like science, I pretty like did really, you know, did well enough in my sciences. So that was a little challenging. So I did take it several times. That was very nerve wracking. And finally, before we move on to medical school, um, we were wondering if you were involved in any sort of research projects or uh, if you were interested in anything that had to do with research. Yeah, so like I said, I, I didn't really know about that world, you know, before I started uh, college. So I really got introduced to that when I went to college. And um, the summer after my freshman year, I, uh, I worked on a research project, look, you know, doing DNA fingerprinting for, um, for uh, uh, plant specimens, you know, at this, at this botanical garden that was nearby my college. And that was sort of nice because I did get a lot, somewhat, a lot of experience in, you know, some molecular biology techniques. Um, and then my sophomore year after college, I applied for another internship. I went to Penn for the summer um, in Philadelphia. That was actually my first time that I actually flew on a plane and went anywhere. Um, so that was cool. And I, I actually, I went to college, which is 15 minutes away from my house, but I lived on campus. But a lot of the kids did go home on the weekend. So I did go home on the weekend a lot. So I lived on campus, but I was still like, you know, very close to home. So that was a, a, a cool you know, cool experience, you know, um, because I love big cities. And um, so I got to work in a research lab in the medical school there. Um, it was okay. Um, it was just looking at, again, it was more working on um, trying to understand like T cell functions, T cell function for like HIV or whatever. And, um, and it was just nice because I just met a lot of different people too. And, and also it was a big school. So I went to a small college, although I really loved my college, 
Um, I went to a college that I was a part of a five college consortium and there was like four other colleges around me, but mostly at Pomona College, students kind of stuck within themselves, you know, within the college. So it's a very different feeling than being like on a huge campus, you know, but also just like the sheer, like um, there was like, it was, on, it was, you know, connected to a medical school and a hospital too. So I, that was pretty cool. And I probably, and I think I must've, I think I just worked that, just did a research project. Um, and then the summer of my third year, um, I, I went to a research talk. So we had a lot of like very famous scientists and I, and I, and I have to say that I'm really proud of the, the kind of academicians and researchers that came out, especially women, because Jennifer Duodna, you know, just won the Nobel Prize for her work on um, some, some technology for DNA editing. And she graduated from Pomona um, with a science degree. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people that come through, you know, who give research seminars, um, you know, because they would get invited back. And so I went to a research seminar um, from a professor from Caltech, and he was also uh, an investigator of Howard Hughes Medical Institute, which is another consortium of like researchers all across the country, but you have to be pretty elite to get funding for that, that um, to have funding for that um, designation. As um, So he gave a talk and we get to go to lunch with them, you know, and that's really cool because they make it very, you know, social in that way because it's a small college and that's the advantage of that. So I went to lunch with him and he just found him very engaging. He was probably like a young, you know, for a, a, a scientist that was accomplished as he was, he was pretty young, like forties, you know, and he was just really engaging. So I was thinking, oh my God, I want to work for this guy. Like I got to work for this guy. So um, went to the seminar and um, asked him questions after his seminar. I think he was impressed, you know, because I, okay, I asked him some, some questions, some good questions. And so I wrote him an email and I said, I wanted to work for him you know, and I said, oh, I would love to work for you. Um, and I said, oh, I think I, I already had a job that, that year, this, the junior, my, the summer after my junior year. So I was looking to really get a job after I graduated for the summer. And I said, oh, you know, because I got a, I got a job at NIH. And so, um, you know, so can I come and work for you the following summer? And he said, oh, I would really love, you know, for you to come work for me, but um, it's probably better, like, you know, you should come work for me this summer because he doesn't know about the funding. So I said, oh, it's like really amazing. And um, I want to work for him. So I was like, okay, I, I come work for him that summer. So that was the summer after my junior year, I worked in the research lab and that was at Caltech. And I, I was pretty impressed because there's just a lot of brainiacs at Caltech, you know, like really um, people, I think that is really impressive to me that love what they do and are like, really good at what they do and are really passionate about what they do and so that was just like everybody and they're like super bright you know and that was just like everybody there and plus you know my um dr sternberg he was just so nice because i think he was really successful when he was very early on as a young professor so he was just so nice and i think that's also unusual so and a lot of his um graduate students were like very successful in terms of um you know doing really good research that were published in very high profile journals. And so I was like, wow, I think that's a very alluring um, uh, field, you know, to, he, he did cancer research and use worms to work. Um, that's why my email is actually roundworms um, because I worked with roundworms as a model system to understand um, 
you know, how, how cells transmit signals um, for like various different cellular responses in the body because worms, you, you, they start off like having simple model systems that can translate. It's usually, uh, human body is very complex, but it kind of uses a very similar, you know, signaling systems, you know, throughout, if you look at how, um, how like uh, different organisms have evolved to become more complex. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought, wow, he was really cool. Um, I would love to work for them. So then I, um, I, I, I applied to the NIH for some research, like, um, it was like a, it was like a week long seminar or something like that. You get to go to um, Washington DC at the NIH and, um, you go to all these seminars with like all these researchers, you know? And, um, and so I applied for that and I got that. So I got to go to that in February and that's, um, and, and at that point, that's why I knew that I had the job already, but, um, for like the coming summer. Um, so when I was working for Dr. Schoenberg at Caltech, I was like, wow, you know, that, that field is so alluring. And of course my mentality is if you're going to do something, you, you really want to excel in it and do really well. Um, and so I thought that was a very, uh, exciting field, but it definitely was very challenging to be really good at what you do, you know, because it, it, I think it required like so much, you know, of your life. So anyways, you know, um, I thought about that and that was a prospect in my mind. And then, um, and then I went to NIH, um, again, that was very exciting because I was excited about research that helped that dealt with like hum understanding human body and how the human body works. So I met a lot of different researchers that were, you know, doing more medically related research and, um, and decided to go there, you know, um, after I graduated and I, and I applied and I got like a fellowship, like a one year thing, you know, for that. So I did that for a year and I, after I graduated and, um, when I went there to NIH, you know, there was a thought of doing like MD, PhD or PhD or MD, you know? And, um, so I applied to many medical schools and I actually didn't get in the first year, you know? Um, and so then I was thinking about applying again. And then, um, I also applied to graduate school, but I thought if I really wanted to do research, what I learned is so important to do research with somebody who is a very good mentor, you know, and where I knew that the students would be very successful. And I knew when I worked at Caltech that all of the students were very successful. He worked very hard and I knew he was a very good research mentor. Um, I think that was very key because there's a lot of people that you can work for who just want to work, who just want to like live off of your success, but not help promote you. But um, he, I could see like, he really did a lot to promote his, you know, his graduate students and people that work for him. So, I, I think that that became very clear in my mind that, so I ended up going to, um, to Caltech for graduate school and I, and I got a PhD and I was gonna do like hardcore research. Um, and I felt like that was like to be at the best place that, you know, to really compete for grants um, in, that, in that world, you had to just, um, you had to just be like really at the top of your game and come from a really good place. So I thought that was probably the best guy to work for. Cause I saw a lot of people that were not happy, you know, at NIH and like mentors that weren't as great, you know? Um, so I, I understood like what was really important. So I, I went to Caltech and that's, that was interesting experience because I saw the difference between like coming from a school when I went, where I went to college, where it was a liberal arts school, where it was very heavy science. I got a very good science education, but it was also balanced by like liberal arts. So I really felt, saw the value in that. 
Um, and I missed a lot of that because then when I started graduate school, it was all heavy science. Although like, I really loved it. I loved everything that I studied. I, I loved everything that I did. I probably enjoyed graduate school much more than I did medical school. Um, and, um, and that was great. Like I, I really, really loved because everyone loved what they were doing and it was great, you know, but then, you know, third, my third year in my brother and my older brother and my older sister were already in medical school and their significant others who they're married to were also in medical school. So that was very hard because then all, all, all four of them would get together and we all went to college together. So we all knew each other. I just felt like, oh, you know, um, I was still felt like I was really missing a component, um, you know, of patient care. That was a different aspect, although research was like pretty awesome, you know, um, and it was like really working for like one of the best people I think in the world because he was just super bright and just like super nice, you know, and that kind of combination is really rare. Um, so I thought, you know what, I was working so hard in graduate school. I felt like I really gave up a lot because graduate school was pretty intense, like you had to work all the time, you know, and um, I, I just felt like, well, if that's something that I really wanted to work really hard for the rest of my life, I think I really like need to love what you really do. I love what I was doing, but I still felt like something was missing. So I said, I'm just going to apply to medical school. And if I'm not happy, then I would quit, you know? Um, so I applied to medical school again. And then I, um, I ended up graduating and finishing my PhD. And then I went to medical school after, and I went to UCLA for medical school. And um, at that time, I, uh, again, really saw the value of having a broad education for the things that I learned, because you don't get to learn that ever again, you know, because then you're like doing all heavy science, you know, and I think it really gives you a, a, a good perspective on just, um, I just think it, it makes you have a more well-rounded perspective on life and things when you learn about literature and, um, and other things like I, that I got a chance to and like study art and all that. So I really, I really valued that because um, medical school was all science, you know, and that wasn't as, it was a little dry, you know, but um, certainly things you got to do with that was, was still cool. Well, that was a really, really impressive story. And it sounded like you had a lot of unique opportunities. Um, I liked your commentary on like the significance of a balanced education and uh, you know, it was really interesting to hear about your um, PhD experience. And I was wondering, just before we go into the details of your medical school experience, if you had any tips for students in college who are applying for medical school? Yeah, so I would say, first of all, I mean, it is important that you have to do really well uh, because medical school is really quite competitive. But I also think that there's something that you need to do, uh, like you need to distinguish yourself um, in any way. Um, you don't have to be like a 4.0 student. You don't have to have perfect, you know, MGAT scores because I didn't, you know, um, I had good grades, but I didn't have like, like top grades, you know, but I had pretty good grades, like good enough. Um, I think you do have to do something that you really love and do something that's significant. So people get involved in lots of different activities in college. And I think that's very important because that demonstrates, um, you know, it, I think it builds richness of experience in life, which I think is very important for medical school. Uh, but uh, what I like to look at, um, because I was also on, on, a, on a committee for, for um, medical school and residency, what I, what I like to see is I like to see somebody do a significant amount of volunteer work where they're doing lots of leadership and getting heavily involved in like developing something. 
uh, because that really shows like your capability to develop something and to bring and give so much more back than you know just um, than than like who you are. So it's really like using your experiences and developing those further, you know, to give back to um, you know your community and wherever, and just like making it a better place. Um, so I, so I say that one, you know, distinguish yourself, do really well, but don't fret if it's like you don't end up getting like you know for you don't need the 4.0. You just need to be able to distinguish yourself and tell a really good story about your life. But I think the most important thing is you should really follow your passion in life. And for me, I felt like that's what I really wanted, you know, at the time. And I, I was really ready to like walk away from that if I didn't feel like that was going to make me happy because I already feel like I invested so much, you know, in my education that it wasn't worth it to me that I saw in life what you have to give up because you do have to give up a lot. I, I do feel like you have to give up a lot of like delayed gratification that that you should only do it, some, you should only follow your passion. So I think the great thing about medicine is that there's many ways that you can um, express, you know, you can, there's many ways that you can um, contribute to society as a doctor. Um, but, but most important is like, you should really do something that you love. And so I really have to encourage a lot of college students. There's a lot of reasons for why people go to medical school, but like you should really do what you love and that will come through in many of the activities that you pursue, you should pursue activities that you're passionate about, because that will come through. Don't just do something because you feel like it's going to look good. Do something because you love it, because that will come through and that will show. Thank you for the advice. I think that's, um, I think a lot of students don't understand how important it is to do exactly like what you love and not just um, so it'll show up on the transcript or in interviews. So I think that was really nice. Um, but I kind of want to ask, what do you think is um, the most important thing for medical schools to incorporate in their teachings? And what should we as students be looking for when we're um, picking our medical schools to apply to? So I think I think one of the most important aspects of uh, that should be incorporated in medical school teaching is really that idea of lifelong learning. And um, and that's imparted in several ways. So I, I, that actually started for me in college. I was very fortunate, you know, that. Um, that that was really a mantra of where I went to college, um, which was really like learn for the for the sake of learning because you love learning. And that really is a privilege, you know, um, traveling to many places, not everyone has the advantage of, of going to school. And if you're privileged enough to go to a really good school, you know, that really is uh, something special to really value. And I, I'm really thankful for that because I met a lot of really bright people who were really super nice, you know, um, and, and so, um, yeah, I think, I think that, that, that mantra was, um, you know, uh, inbred in me, like going through college and that idea of like that passion and love for learning will carry you so far in life. Okay. So you, so going to another medical school, it was, I think what's really important is that idea of, um, having that passion for learning, but when you have that passion for learning, then you also feel like it's important that you teach other people around you because, you know, you're only going to be as good in some ways of like, in some ways of like what people teach you. And when you're in medical school, it's almost like an apprenticeship really, in some ways, like you're really learning, you know, you learn a lot of, you know, you read a lot of stuff in the textbook, but, um, but you also learn, I think you learn a lot from like, um, from what other people teach you in the clinical realm. And I was really thankful that I had a lot of great um, teachers who told, you know, who taught me lots of things like you know, a, a, 
I never remember my, I'm, I'll always remember like my pharmacology classes. I didn't go to my, a lot of my classes. I just did a lot of the notes, but there were some classes I had to go to because um, he give you the syllabus. But I, I always remember her because I just thought like, you know, it was, it was great. She was just awesome. Um, but it, it's really, it's really that idea of imparting knowledge to others around you um, because that I think is a hallmark of like a, like a good medical school and like the clinicians around you who are going to eventually be teaching you you know, bedside manner and, and things like that. So I think that's, that's really important. So I would think about that in choosing a medical school. But I also think about um, the idea of like learning how to live a balanced life. And because I think that's so important, you know, moving forward, because medical school is going to, is hard, but residency is even harder. And if you do subspecialty training like me, then that's even going to be even harder. And it takes so much out of you. It really does. And, and you really have to learn how to, um, you know, how to have a good, balanced life and so you really want to be in a institution that that really does focus that really does emphasize that and focus on that you know because you want to have good doctors but if if someone's burned out they're not going to be a good doctor thank you and what would you say that uh medical students should do to get the most out of their experience while they're there well i didn't always go to class i don't think you have to always go to class i would say it really depends on the kind of the best way that you learn. Okay. I didn't feel in my mind, um, because I, I think having gone from, from graduate school where I was actually learned independently, and that's what they foster in graduate school, that I already sort of learned that skill that um, once information is in front of me, there are certain things that I knew that I can just read and not have to sit at, you know, and listen. Some people need to like are better at learning by listening. You know, I, I can, I, some people are more visual and just can read stuff, you know, and uh, medical school is a lot of memorization. So there are some classes, a lot of classes I didn't go to, but there was like some classes that you obviously had to go to. So um, I think, I think you have to understand like what, what is the best way that you learn and because it's going to be different for everybody. And, and, and it may be that you might have to be one of those people that has to go to class all the time, you know? Um, but I would say that in spite of that, not having gone to class all the time, I still think it's important one to get involved in in things that you love again, and um, and to um, and to follow things, follow your heart and what you're passionate about. So I'd say my best experience in medical school was probably being part of the mobile clinic, the free mobile clinic that we ran. That it was purely medical student run. We had one attending doctor who oversaw everything. It was pretty impressive operation to me because um, we partnered with food truck service that services the streets in Hollywood on the street and we provided the medical service for them. So for a lot of them, we were really their medical care because they were really very disenfranchised and didn't really trust a lot of the normal medical institutions and doctors per se. So that's where they would come for a lot of, you know, things. Um, but I, I think more so in that, that experience taught me was that you know, you really have to see someone as an individual, as a person, you know, um, it could be very easy to have impressions about people, but there's probably people that I, I really learned to see who they really were beyond just like they're homeless, you know, like everyone has a story. And I, I really saw that for every single person that was homeless that we met because they came, we came every week, you know, and we got to know them and, um, and we were kind of, like they realized that we really cared about them. So I was a I was a medical student volunteer my first year. The second year I was a coordinator. 
And then the third year, I was also um, more like a clinician, student clinician, and then I became the mobile clinic chief my fourth year. And um, like kind of running everything. And um, I just, I, I thought that was really the most valuable experience because one, we got a lot of great experience before going into the clinics of learning how to present, you know, patients, how to kind of survey patients, how to talk to patients, you know, on the streets from that experience. And I thought that was very valuable because some, some experiences are a little forced or a little like um, uh, superficial in some ways when you're sort of learning that before you go into the clinic. But that was something that really was like, you got a lot of exposure and in a, in a, in a comfortable environment and in, in that it was non-pressured. Um, and so I, I, I think I learned a lot from that. And so my advice is to follow things that, you know, follow your heart, things that you're passionate about. I really love that experience. I was really passionate about that. And um, it was a significant activity that I think, um, you know, that I, that contributed a lot to my education, the joy that I had in medical school and the experience, the overall experience that I had. Um, um, and because of what I learned, the community that I had there, and also what I felt like I gave back, you know, to my community there. And um, it was also nice that I actually won an award at graduation from medical school for my service there, too. Um, and that was like, that's, you know, it's not like you do it for that reason, but that is important and significant for like when you're applying to residency and stuff. But um, I would say that that was probably my most enjoyable experience in medical school. And um, I would say the other thing is just um, be healthy, you know, like you have to do things that you had always done. So if you were like an athlete and, you know, before I was, and it was really hard that I wasn't taking, like I wasn't part of sports, but like, you know, when I, I did swim, I swam every day at the pool, you know, they had Olympic size pool and we had an Olympic size pool at UCLA too. And they had a gym and then um, it was free. So, um, I thought it was very important to maintain those kinds of those kinds of activities for myself just to be healthy. I think um, that mobile clinic experience sounded really good and um, I'm sure it also prepared you for your future career. Um, and so I kind of wanted to ask, uh, what do you think, I mean, what was your hardest aspect of medical school? Because um, I feel like your graduate experience really um, prepared you well for taking classes in medical school and learning on your own, but what was the hardest and most challenging aspect for you? So graduate school is very independent. It's all independent learning. It's like you learn because you want to learn. No one's forcing you. No one's telling you what you have to do or what you have to learn. You just learn what you know you need to learn so you can like carry out, you know, think about science in a, in an innovative way. Um, and you go into work when you want and you leave when you want. Medical school is very regimented. Like you have to be on schedule. I had to really learn how to do that. And I didn't, that I thought that was really challenging. Um, that was really challenging. Um, and um, I would say the, the overnight shifts you had to do, I think that was hard as well. Um, but the academic aspect of medical school was very easy compared to um, what I, I think my science education in college at Pomona College. Um, but what was challenging in medical school was learning how to go by someone else's schedule, like, and, and being in a hierarchy. So you're at the bottom of a hierarchy. And science is not like that. You know, people are all respected colleagues, but there's a hierarchy in medicine, which I think is can be difficult um, sometimes because you know the you're like the bottom of the barrel when you're a med when you're a medical student. Um, that can um, sometimes present some um, unfortunate uh, 
scenarios for like how people are treated, which I didn't always agree with, you know, um, like in medicine. Um, so I think that was challenging. Yeah, so um, in the last interview that we did with Dr. Horenkamp, she talked about how um, after medical school, when you were choosing your residency, there were three main paths, uh, pediatrics, kind of like adult care, and then surgery. So which one did you choose? So I knew I was wanting to work with kids because I just thought they were really cute. And um, I would much rather work with, with cute kids than like looking at old people with crusty feet, to be honest if I had to get up and work, you know, 80 hours a week. And I just thought that children had a very uh, special way of seeing the world. Uh, and it's a way that I really um, am drawn to in terms of the fascination and the wonder that they have in the world. Um, and, and I wish like everyone can have that kind of attitude. We, we lose a lot of that um, as we get older, but they are, um, they're special because of that. They actually um, get better as well, like they can get really sick, but I also know that they can get really, they can, they can get better. It's a little bit harder as adults. So I, I prefer to work in a field where um, one, I just, I, a population that I enjoyed that I love because they're just bright and bright in the, in terms of their attitude. Um, and um, I could be tired. I could be so tired, but if you just see a cute little kid who's like smiling, I think that can really brighten your day and your spirits, you know? So I knew that I wanted to work with kids um, you mentioned surgery. So it was very clear to me early on for all the surgeons that I worked with that, um, you know, you have to really absolutely love surgery or you don't do it, um, which is really made clear by every single surgeon that I saw because of the kind of lifestyle that, 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 um, that, that you had um, just going through residency. Like it just wasn't worth it. If there was something, if there was any other thing that you could think about doing, then you should do that. If, but if you can't, and you know that surgery is the one that go, go down the surgical path. For me, I know that there was other things that I wanted to do. So I, I, you know, particularly didn't really like blood, you know, I'm in medicine, but I don't really like looking at blood. <laughs> um, so I just knew I didn't like that. Um, and I really like cutting either. So I just, I knew that I wanted to work with kids. So while you were, uh, while you were a resident, uh, what was the overall experience? Like you had said it was hard as a medical school, but um, what was unique about it? I think that you really get to learn to work very intimately with people because you are working in high, high stress situations and you're sleep deprived. So you really get to see like the good and the bad and thank God everyone was like, for the most part, pretty pleasant to work with, you know, on my, in my program. Um, but I really think that that is a very different kind of dynamic than, um, the kind of interactions that you have with other people regardless because of the nature of the seriousness of the problems that you encounter in medicine and and being sleep deprived so working in high stress situations so i think that was a very um i think that's very unique to medicine because that does build a certain camaraderie as well you know with anyone that you work with in that and in, in, in that context going through um sorry what was the other can you repeat the question again uh, we just wanted to know what was unique about your uh, residency experience. It sounded like it was high stress, but um, you got a lot of benefits from it and it helped you to prepare for your professional career. Yeah, it was high stress, but I was really impressed that I, I worked with a lot of really competent people. You know, I, I think I was thankful. I ended up going to 
residency at UCSF. Um, I came to UCSF actually because, you know, I wanted to work in pediatrics, but I, I actually at that point um, knew that I was going to go into cardiology. So when I was in medical school, I also thought all along I was going to be a cancer doctor for kids. You know, one of my mentors that I met was a cancer doctor for, at UCLA. And um, so I met a lot of the cancer doctors at, um, at UCLA and I, I just loved that field. I, I thought it was, it was a great blend of being able to take care of really sick kids, but also had a lot of potential for um, scientific research, you know, um, and making a big difference. So that's the field that I was gonna go in. And I met some wonderful people, but uh, I, I went to a research talk my fourth year in medical school and I was just blown away by this research seminar that, um, that this researcher, this pediatric cardiologist gave who ended up becoming my mentor because he, he talked about the genetics of congenital heart disease. And I was trained as a geneticist in graduate school. Um, and I just thought that the field was so much more fascinating and a lot more open because there was so much more that was unknown in pediatric cardiology and like, you know, the genetics of like heart development um, and congenital heart disease that I thought, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. I'd rather I should do that, you know. And I should say that my my brother and my brother-in-law were were adult cardiology fellows. So um, at that time, you know, when I was talking, making my decision, I think my brother was more like, oh, I think cardiology is so much more interesting. You should do cardiology. So I went to UCSF because I found out where he was going. I was like, where is this this guy? Where is he working? I I need to work with him because he's just amazing. And I wrote him. And I went to UCSF when I interviewed and I wanted to work for him. So I, I, I entered residency in a special program with a research track, you know, where I can work, where I would work with somebody. It would be like three, it'd be like two years and then I would do research, you know, and then go, go to fellowship. So that's what I applied for. And that's why I went to UCSF to work with him. Um, so it, it, I would say that, um, I think what was unique about that experience is one, just like the amazing people that I worked with, because everyone was super competent and super bright. Um, I, unfortunately, I have to say that not all doctors are the same, and not all they're not all competent in, in the way that I, you know, um, that we hope. Um, but, but I I was really impressed with a lot of the outstanding individuals that I met that that I worked with who actually learned a lot from you know because when you go through, you have to learn from your seniors. And then you also, when you become a senior, you know, give back and, you know, teach your interns. Um, so I think that was a unique experience in, in and in having that kind of um, work situation that is so intense, but they're like, weren't your friends initially, right? Because you're like, you're on call, you're like sleeping in the same call room, like, you know, one room, sometimes it's one room with like several beds, you know, it's a pretty like, it's a pretty intense interaction, you know, because like you're working and what you have to do. Yeah, so that was, the, I think, the unique aspect of residency. I would say the interactions and the kind of level of intensity of work experience that you have, you know, 30-hour shifts, and um, that's pretty challenging. Yeah. Um, so you had mentioned just before that uh, you had family who was in adult cardiology. Um, what do you think are the biggest differences um, between cardiology cases in pediatrics and in adult cardiology? So I actually find adult cardiology really boring, you know, um, but I think pediatric cardiology is so fascinating and so much and so interesting. And um, I think 
with adults, as I said before, a lot of adults don't always get better. You know, um, you know, you're dealing with a lot of hypertension, you're dealing with a lot of strokes, um, but unless you're an adult congenital or like, you know, structural heart problems, but, you know, it's, I, it's such a privilege because I actually learned, I was trained to do fetal diagnosis so I can diagnose, you know, heart disease, structural heart disease of um, malformed hearts in utero before they're born. And it's such an intimate connection with the moms, such a privilege to like walk with them through this experience. Cause it's very, I mean, anyone, if you have any family that like gets pregnant, you know, it's like super stressful. It's like a really big kind of event and it's like life-changing, but you know, you have that, but then if you have a, if you have a mom who has like, has a child that has like, you know, like, you know, has a, you know, like a heart, heart defect that I think the kind of bond that you create that you meet with your patients, I think is really special going through like many things like, you know, surgery, like birth, surgery, recovery from surgery, I think is so special, you know? Um, and you can, I mean, there's adults that do bypass and then um, they go to the cardiac surgeon, they go back to their, their adult cardiologist. But I just think it's, it's just a very different way of, it's a very different way of the kind of problems that you see. Cause I know I have adult cardiologists who don't, you know, who it's a completely different training, you know? So um, I, I just think it's so, so interesting. And so, and again, because I, I always really loved development and trying to understand how, you know, how the heart formed, you know, and then it, it forms incorrectly. And then you have, and what's the end result of that is. And I think cardiology is very intuitive and like plumbing and like looking at blood flow patterns and where they should go, where they normally should go and how, how, how can we fix that if, if the heart's not formed correctly, it, it all makes sense, you know, to me. It's not just like memorization. It's like you can think about it logically. Yeah, it sounds like pediatrics or pediatric cardiology was much different skill set than um, cardiology for adults. So in your experience, what would you say was your most common case and what was your most interesting case? So a common case from cardiology? Um, I would say like a hole in the, in the heart, like the bottom chambers. So the heart has four pumping, has four chambers. Um, there's two pumping chambers on the bottom. So like a, a, a VSD, which is a, a hole between the bottom two chambers, that's really the most common defect um, that many people have. The most interesting, we have a lot of interesting patients, but um, I would say that I saw a patient that um, I discussed with many other cardiologists across the country and they had never seen anything like that. And so what I really love about my field is sometimes, you know, there is a, an expected way that you think that patients should behave or turn out based on the heart problem they have, but it doesn't like always work out that way in, in, in sad ways, but also in pleasantly surprising ways. But I had a kid who um, had these malformations. So normally you have the heart and the heart has blood vessels that supply it. And they're a typical way in which these little blood vessels come off. But this kid had really unusual blood vessels that supplied the heart. Nobody had ever seen anything like that. Um, and it almost, I think in the end result, could cause him to have heart failure in some ways, which is really interesting. Um, and I don't know if he, I would guess that based on the way it looks that he may develop heart failure, but we always watch for that. Um, I'd say that's probably the most unusual one because even like the most experienced people at Boston Children's who probably seen everything, like they had never seen anything like that. Um, just so you know, like, you know, 
the heart is formed a certain way. It has four chambers and it has two outflow tracks. The right heart pumps to the lungs and the left, um, the left heart pumps blood to the body that has oxygen. But there are like crazy hearts that are like malformed and in really crazy ways. That's just um, not good for the patient, but just really fascinating from a cardiologist standpoint of view. Really amazing. Yeah, I'm sure that's really fascinating, especially since um, the heart should only, uh, I mean, it's such an important organ that should only be, um, that should only look a certain way and do yeah. a certain function. But it's surprisingly, I mean, it has a lot of resilience in some ways that there's been a lot of advances in surgical techniques that allowed us to really um, uh, palliate some, or co correct some things to a certain degree that children can live. Yeah. So what do you think um, is a characteristic or attribute that separates the good cardiologists from the great or the excellent cardiologists? I would say experience in my, in my, um, in my experience, I would say I really learned that having experience is so valuable because when you have experience, um, you see so many more things. And I think that is, extremely valuable. Um, and I see that when I look at um, a lot of the people I trained with at UCSF, as opposed to, I also did an imaging fellowship in cardiology um, imaging at, in Colorado. And there were some really bright people there too, but they were much younger. Um, and I would say, you know, younger on the orders of uh, maybe like early forties versus like, you know, the cardiologists that I work, you know, that I trained with, um, at UCSF, probably some of the best in the world were probably in their 50s, you know, um, in terms of the things that they saw. And uh, so I, I really think that experience has a lot to do with it. Um, there are some really amazing cardiologists. I don't know, they're just like super bright. Like all the ones that I trained with were like really bright. I don't know if I could ever be as bright as they were, but um, I, I mean, I think I'm a good cardiologist, but they're just super bright, but they also have a lot of experience, you know. Um, like so much more experience than me. Yeah. Oh, and I should also say what I really think is important is their heart, right? Um, in terms of like how they care for their patients. But I'm just so blown away by everyone in my field in terms of uh, the dedication that they have to their patients because our patients are quite needy and require a lot. But I, I, I just never really met a, a pediatric cardiologist who didn't love what they do. Um, and And I think that, you know, that has come through and when that does come through you can really see that you know like everyone really loves what they do i think that um is important welcome yeah and then what are some things um about being a pediatric cardiologist that you wish you had known before entering the field uh, how hard it was <laughs> it was like uh, if i would have known that uh Sometimes, so sometimes I, I think having, you know, having just finished training when I just finished training or going through it, I was like, wow, it, it, it was, I think it's probably one of the most, one of the most demanding for, and pediatrics, probably the most demanding fellowship. Um, you don't learn really a lot of, you don't really get a lot of exposure or really learn pediatric cardiology in your general residency. Um, I think you really learn 
I, I, when I look at residency education, I think you really learn the bulk of it, like in cardiology fellowship. So, you know, you go to medical school, you learn about things. And then when you start pediatric residency, you kind of know some things like you didn't, I don't really feel like I, like I knew anything or you really know lots of things when you start cardiology fellowship. So, um, it was, it was really hard. Like I, I, I didn't really know how hard it was. And even like talking to everybody that I go through, I don't really think you can really know how hard it is until you really go through it. Um, and, uh, I feel like, um, it really, it really comes at a cost. Like it, uh, it, it did, you know, it, it's really time consuming. It, it really takes a lot out of you. Um, and I, I get up every day and be thankful that I, I can go to a job that I love and I wouldn't want to do anything else now. And I'm thankful, but I would say like, you know, during the training, like, you know, going through it, I, I probably would have been okay. You know, just like, like having a life, um, and like being a nurse practitioner and, um, making like a good three, you know, like, you know, six figure salary and working three days a week, you know, like even that would have been like, okay, because I just feel like the cost is great. So what I always tell people that, um, you know, don't go into cardiology, um, unless you really absolutely love it because it, it's, it's a lot of years of your life, you know, like it, it's a significant chunk of, uh, of your early years of your life. And, um, if you don't love it and you just want to get out and, you know, do your job and have your life, then don't do it. I, and I, I just wish that I, I would have known like how, how difficult it was. I, I don't think but I don't think you could have understood or anyone can understand the magnitude of the difficulty and the challenges of it. One, because you're just learning everything on the fly. And, and it's just like the demands of like the level of responsibility for, you know, um, for what your patients go through is like so high, so high. Um, that I just wish that I probably knew better. And maybe I think in a different life that I would have been okay just like you know, honestly, you know, being a, a nurse practitioner working three days a week at the time, because, you know, you're working eight, over 80 hours a week. Um, you don't have any time. You know, you're trying to read, you're trying to learn, and, and you're, you have to work too. And you have to try to have a life too. Thank you for that perspective. What does your daily schedule look like today? Oh, night and day. It's awesome. It's great. I mean, now that I've finished training and I'm working in a normal job. Um, it, it, you know, the hours are much better. I would say it's anything is significantly better than what I did in training, you know, where you're working over 80 hours a week. You know, I can sometimes be at work at eight 30. Sometimes I leave at five. Sometimes I there at seven, you know, it depends on like what the case is or what I'm doing. I, I do take call, you know, and sometimes, you know, you have to go in and, um, you know, like sometimes you have to go in at, at midnight for something, you know, if you're on call and there's a baby that needs to be evaluated. Um, but I still think that that's like rewarding. I don't, I, I still think that I'd much rather do that for, you know, like I do, like I, I enjoy what I do. So unless I'm like, I'm like super tired, yes, but I enjoy what I do. So that's okay. Um, but it can be like nine to five job, you know? Um, and I get, I love my job and I finally get, you know, compensated for all the years of training that it was well worth it because I love what I do. I make a significant impact and um, I can, you know, like live life, you know, <laughs> whereas I, in training, I saw a lot of my friends, you know, who are in graduate school, you know, um, kind of start their lives a little bit earlier, a little bit sooner. Yeah. 
like normal things in life, like buy houses, you know, get married, have kids, things like that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bowie, for um, sharing your story with us. It was beyond fascinating. And we learned a lot from you, especially um, about the importance of doing something that you love and following your passion. And we really enjoyed speaking with you. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. I, um, it was a pleasure talking with you. Um, like I said, I, I, I'm always happy to, you know, talk with you more if you have other questions that come out, you know, throughout your own journey. Um, I just think it's important, you know, don't let anyone tell you what you can or you can't do. You know, if you follow your passion and you can do anything that you want to do, um, but just make sure it's something that you really want to do. And if you ever make go down a road and you don't like it, it's okay. You can always change direction. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Good luck with that here. Um, your journey in school, make every moment count because uh, every experience will bring you something later in life, you know. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stories Behind the Scrubs. If you haven't already listened to the last episode with oncologist Dr. Elizabeth Hornkamp, set aside some time to check that out. If you look forward to hearing when our next episode drops, click the subscribe button. And be sure to follow our social media at Stories Behind the Scrubs on Instagram.